0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, didn't have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like
0: usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket, oh, saving this spot for the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs>
1: boom it's a 170 that was money i think it's down right up there 10 yards
2: whitetail legacy podcast bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy.
1: Baller rut. All right, here we go. Second last breath episode on a whitetail legacy Wednesday. You say
2: you're on your second to last breath?
1: Yes, I'm on my second to last breath. (laughs) <laughs> well that was an ata wasn't it yeah, i was
2: thinking about that on the yeah. way here i was like i don't know what it was but oh. I, I don't was know like, oh, what we were talking 80s. about but
1: it was hilarious i'm on my last breath bro
2: friday night <laughs> i'm on my last breath oh yeah yeah <laughs> 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 oh, was
1: sweet. oh man yeah. you had to be there i guess yeah, yeah so this episode we talk about ata fun we had we had a lot of fun with these boys. We got a little bit too much fun, I think. <laughs> um, we talk about the Bad Lab Film Festival. Huge shout out to them for having a uh, film in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's incredible. We talk about their launch party, and we talk about what tactics they're using right now to better their success coming the following 2019 season. We're gonna get into our partners before we do that. Oh. I want to bring up something that they that they bring up
2: kind of off the get go is you know these guys are a team of six and they do hunt free-range deer and they do have a normal working man job and you know their quality is above the industry standard and they're not getting the credit that i feel like they deserve and, yeah. you know, they're doing it on free-range deer, and a lot of people are just paying to go to Outfitters with subpar quality and getting a lot better hype about them when, you know, they're putting in more work, they're putting in better quality, they're putting in more time, and trying to, you know, manage the herd yeah. on their farm. that's
1: a really good point, you yeah. know. I mean, even like when I was hunting with Babe Winkleman, he goes, I wish I could hunt a deer and pick one out, but I can't do that because it doesn't create enough content for me. Exactly. You know, when I heard that, I was like, "That's something I never want to do." You Ex- know, yep. Just like you say, they're normal guys, and they're still getting it done, and that's kind of like our trademark of this podcast. You mm-hmm. know, normal guys that are incredibly successful on giant whitetails year after year that very few people know about. These yep. these guys are in the hunting industry, but just like you said, they're not they're not a giant name but they should be and once people figure them out yeah i think they they're gonna be and they deserve it man
2: they go into what you should be doing right now to help yourself this fall
1: yeah all right let's get into our partners and get to the good content start with the title sponsor the vip veteran broadhead um got a little new product coming out the 175 grain Veteran. Ooh. It's like shooting a tank without tracks. <laughs> it's like a tank airplane. Yes. That thing is going to, like, if you could get the base of, like, a 90s Caprice with a national anthem playing, <laughs> that's what that 175 grain is. You got to add a lot of bass to the national anthem yes. when that thing shoots because it's, it's bringing gonna be a lot banging. of power. Yeah. Bringing a lot of power. Straight hitting the techno beats on that thing. Um,
2: but, the the main difference is it's a titanium body.
1: Yeah, titanium body. Uh,
2: same grade as steel blades. Yeah. Um, same same mechanisms running it. It's, oh, it's just, a
1: titanium tip, all steel body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the hundred grain has a titanium yeah. tip. Yeah. Oh, steel body. Yeah. Steel body. Yeah.
2: So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tank, and uh, I thought I know the Crossbow hunters are jacked about it. Oh, I would be too. Yeah. I mean, you're shooting shooting two kinetic energy everybody's about kinetic energy and uh and with that kind of weight i mean you'll be able to blow through a shoulder like
2: yeah you thought the hundred grain had penetration yeah. ability yeah this thing right here
1: and that there's no question the the harden the hardening capabilities of this the steel it's going to be indestructible i mean, oh, yeah. you're going to have to replace blades and that's it you're going to have that body for ever yeah so pretty jacked to get our hands on those we'll be able to get the first round of them and be able to do some testing and have some fun with that
2: i hope to test a lot of it yeah <laughs>
1: yeah um so let's get into the
2: vip veteran broadhead shout out yeah this week is hook set brothers combat recovery uh they're on facebook they are a 501c3 company founded by Wounded Veterans Empowering Veterans with combat related PTSD by providing them free hunting and fishing trips throughout Texas and everybody associated with that is 100% volunteered so everybody associated with Hookset Brothers Combat Recovery uh, we all thank you the VIP family thanks you and Matt and Cindy uh, thank you as well
1: that's right we appreciate that. Any organization that's out there helping veterans, we love to shout you guys out. So, if uh, if you uh, want to send in a VIP shout out as a organization or a company that helps veterans, we're more than happy to shout you out, just like every other VIP shout out. Absolutely. So it, it, Did you say active duty too? Yeah, active duty. Okay. Yep. It's good to uh, let other veterans know there's opportunities out there for them, and also good for active duty people to know that there's availabilities to hunt maybe when they're on leave or something like that we we work with a lot of uh a lot of them be doing shout outs so yeah we'd like to hear that um let's do with ecw calls um you can if you want to check out their calls check them out on ingram's out or Embry custom, Embry Woodworking. custom woodworkings yeah <laughs> getting them mixed up uh check them out Embry custom woodworkings um we're going to be at elmwood with them when this releases pretty much pretty dang close so we're excited about that gonna spend some days with him trying to sell some products show people how good these calls are and uh handmade in america by veteran can't get better than that nope why don't you cover scent lock scent lock um
2: they're coming out with a sheet type deal that runs ozone over your bed so i definitely know i'm gonna be using that thing because uh Like, you take the pillowcase off my pillow, it's just yellow. Yeah. I mean, I get hot. The wife wants to buy new blankets, like, every four or five months. And, we're like, just to the point to where I'm, like, cooling off at night, getting Mm -hmm. it wore in. And then she's like, oh, yeah, we need a new bed set. And then it's it's hot again for the next four months. Yeah.
1: So. I think it's a really cool idea. Your bed is something that you really can't clean, right? Yeah. Like, you can't clean it. And this gives you the way to... Eliminate bacteria, eliminate odor, eliminate stuff that you really have no other way to do unless you're going to vacuum clean it or like uh, sh- sh- shampoo clean it or whatever. But I feel mm. like when you shampoo clean it, if you get it wet, it's just it's right. never the same. Well,
2: like it's just like a water heater when you move your mattress in and then you move it out it's like three times heavier i I don't know what the number is but it's just like that you know Uh everything all your dry skin and all that settles
1: so hopefully with that ozone blanket i'm excited about that to try it out and it's just something unique that they've come out with that we haven't really talked about it's not really hunting related but it's something that literally everybody can use absolutely and the I mean, it plugs into the wall. It can run on cycle mode. You can run it for the day, pack it up, and put it on a month later. And you can feel good when you lay down your bed. You're like, okay, (laughs) I'm bacteria free here. You know, I mean, smells clean. Yeah, so (laughs) that's gonna be cool. Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook. Check out his new work. He's gonna have. He's got my bow buck almost done. Your bow buck really close. Uh, so some content to be coming out from that and then our this year's bucks getting real close Super to you. so close. we're excited about that hope to be able to bring you a bunch of quality high quality pictures of that content and be able to share our successful harvests with you all right let's get into the content of last breath tv all right we're back with the last breath boys grant and garrett in studio again we took a brief uh pause and we're back at it so uh we're gonna start off this with ata man what how was ata for you guys it was good
3: uh we ata is different for us than some people i think there's like three to four types of people that go to ata you've got your business owners that are there to sell and promote their product. You have shop owners who are there to buy it. And then there's like two other people. There's people there who party, and then there are people like me and you who go there to make network connections, follow up, have face-to-face meetings with some influential people, uh, so on and so forth. But overall, it was great. We had a lot of fun, specifically
1: with you two. Um, yeah, we had <laughs> boatloads of fun, so. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: So it, it was good. How was you, how was it for you guys?
1: It was a lot of fun. This was our first year, so we we took it a little bit slower. Uh, I told Homie, I said we need to experience what it is, because I feel like when you have those meetings, you don't really get to experience the show, right? You don't get to go right. to a lot of the different booths and really feel it. And uh, bad circumstance while we were there, one of the people that we were there with VIP, he was sick, so we spent more time at the booth, just helping out sure. because he wasn't able to be there. He had to go to the emergency room and and get some stuff figured out while we were there. So we took, you know, that's important to us because we have made a connection with him. I mean, he's like, he's like our uncle. You know, what I mean, he's a yeah. he's a solid yeah. dude, right? Yep. So we were like, we're gonna spend some time here. So we spent a lot of time at the booth, but we got to reach out. We got to go to the innovation zone. Yep, I feel like that's cool. Um, people that are just trying to get their feet wet, and we met the uh, a couple. We had a podcast from guys there. That was that was good. Uh, They wanted to come on. We met a lot of people and we got to see some new products. But we also checked out, you know, like the Moultrie booth and some bows. Homie shot some bows. No one has left handed bows at ATA, so I'm I'm out. But uh, and then uh, we checked. You know, we were going to be heavy in food plots this year, so we went to some food plot companies and we had a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to do there. I feel like the three days, if you just went to experience the show right you couldn't do it all like to nope. really go dig into each area you couldn't do it but uh we had a lot of fun and uh it was a good experience we're going to tackle it different next year more, right more like how you guys do but i told homie i said this is our first year let's just go let's have some fun let's see what it's really about and then next year we'll be able to go in and be like okay we've already done this yep we're more comfortable. We've seen the face. It's like we walk by and we're like, oh, that's that guy. That he's with this, and we know. You know, I feel like you need to know that kind of stuff to be successful, right? Yep. So we know, and now we know. Okay, okay, he's he's with this company. He's with this company, and that's what we did, right? And then we got to meet a lot of people that we podcast with because a lot of people go there. We got to hang out with you guys, The Rise, um, Whitetail three sixty five, a lot of people that were there. Yep. And, harvest time. Yeah, harvest time. Got to see them, but. We had a lot of fun after hours. It was a good time. We actually had <laughs> a guy from the rise stay in our hotel room. No kidding. Yeah, and me and homie had to sleep in the same bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah we well,
3: didn't sleep with him. No. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice no. view. Yeah. So I was like, you can have that bed. I was out in like three
1: minutes. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> the oh. guy who yeah.
2: didn't even pay for the bed got a free, a yeah. free bed to himself. Yeah.
1: The my favorite thing about the ATA
3: show is like at the show everybody is the professional, right? And and like for us. We get to talk, at, you know, as a professional with these marketing directors and these people of, of power. But then after the, the doors close at the ATA show, and you go out to some of these um, uh, bars, if mm-hmm. you will. I don't know if that's yeah. okay. But oh, yeah, yeah. You go out to have a good time, and these people totally let their hair down. Mm-hmm. And that is where the relationships are yeah. made, man. Uh, so it's it's just it's funny to see the straight lace guy, at the show, mm. but then after hours, he's he's who he is. Yeah. And then the next day is even better because you're like, oh,
1: man, yeah, how did you pour yourself <laughs> out of bed this <laughs> morning? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you guys were well put together the next day. I was like, man, these guys are feeling solid. <laughs> at, the <laughs> night the night after the film festival, that's what we were like the next morning. We were like, oh, my gosh, we can't do it. Oh, We can't do it. But that was the earliest we were there. Could you imagine doing that like uh, two months in a row? Oh, dude! There's like no way. the guys that go to the week-long show. Oh, oh to I'm go like, to
3: like ATA and then shot and then Harrisburg and then NWTF. you'd, you'd wake up, your liver'd be on your pillow next to you. I don't really know <laughs> what they do at
1: all those shows. Like, <laughs> oh, oh.
2: I mean, once you've seen the show, it'd be I mean, Groundhog it. Day, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: it'd be brutal. That's for dang sure. So, but yeah, we had we had a ton of fun, especially hanging out with you guys. We got to what well, we were there for a long time. Oh my goodness! And and like it was who'd we message we messaged someone and they were like we're here so we went straight there you know yep. and it was just never ending after then and so. then, <laughs> then next thing you know we're wiped out legacy yeah, <laughs> <Wiped out. laughs> switch uh, the name up to wiped out legacy that's our uh that's our editing uh company that does all our work for yeah, us wiped yeah. out legacy so
2: solid guy
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, that we, we did a uh, post-episode ATA, and, and I yep. was like, if you can ever get there with a company, you know, just go and right. experience it as a person and have fun, and um, I think it was cool for us not to have to do the business side for one Absolutely. year. The first
3: yeah. year should be – it's like Disney World, right? You take mm-hmm. it all in, um, and, and like it is a private show, so not everybody can make it, but if you're somehow really um, connected to the industry, you know, take advantage of, of some of your pro shops – or some other people that are in your area that might be able to get you a pass, maybe just for the year, like mm-hmm. you said. But for, for a civilian to be able to get into the show, yeah. it is truly a
1: great time. Mm-hmm. While you're there and then afterwards, too. Yeah, for sure. You get to see all the the personalities or whatever, you know, and and homie's like, oh, that's that guy. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he knew, so, I mean, uh, we, uh, we practice reaping tur- turkeys, right, yes. at ATA. Yeah, so, Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to do it this year then, right? <laughs> Homie's going to. All right. <laughs> so. But at the ATA, there's a Badland Film Festival, and we've talked about it on this show and kind of what our take was of it. And uh, we shouted you guys out for having a film in there. Yep. And I honestly, like, I'm, I, I like you guys a lot, right? But that film was super solid, right? I felt like the storyline basis and the deer shots like the natural what like guys like me are like oh yeah you know you guys nailed it and you nailed it with a story and me and homie were like oh yeah they got it like we thought you guys had it the whole time you know what i mean but me saying that now you got you guys should be insanely proud to even have a film in there right because that's a big stage yep like the people that are there are the biggest in the industry right and you guys were in it and when when so we didn't we knew like the badlands films festival, right but we didn't know like the stance of it right and when we got there we were like we've been to your film festival, right? We're mm-hmm. like, holy, sh-, you know, this is, this is their Another like, level. We're, we're seeing yeah. people like, oh, that's, that's that guy who does this, you know, that's that guy who does, you know, Heartland bow hunter. That's that guy. You know, we're seeing these guys that are like mm-hmm. the big, the big time, you know? And we're like, you guys are right in there with them. So how, how was that feeling of you guys being on the badlands screen, man?
4: Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, good question. I, I, It was actually an odd time to get emailed, so I submitted our film, which is My Gang. It's a film. um, The Badlands Film Festival is actually live on YouTube now, Um, so if you want to go check out on YouTube, it's the 2019 Badlands Film Festival. You can view it there, and if you're on YouTube, you might as well subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're there so you can check out all of our other great content, but um, My Gang was built to be a film that... um, So I think in my mind, the Badlands Film Festival, the recipient of the winning award, has to take three categories in my mind. And I wanted to make a film that checked all three of the boxes. I think category number one is you have to have stellar trophy content. Um, So the taking of high-quality trophy animals, uh, that's a big thing. Number two, you have to play to an emotional side and... You know, give the give your film a personality that's going to distinguish himself or itself from the rest. And uh, the third piece is the storyline. So, I've seen a bunch of films in there before that have had two pieces, two and a half pieces, but. Um, I I really wanted to make something that had all three. So um, when I got the email on Christmas Eve, actually, I sent it in about a month before, and on Christmas Eve, literally December 24th, when I got the email from um, the selection committee that we'd been selected, um, one of the um, six, no, seven films that got shown out of 107 submissions. So to be there in the top seven out of 107 was an extreme honor. But um, once we got there, um it was pretty cool to see how our stuff lined up against all the rest. So I thought our I thought our white sale content definitely owned the show like Crushed as I did. Yeah. As I was sitting in the very beginning um watching like the pre-roll of the show and the yeah. stinger of the show, you'll every, notice it was that, every one of your guys' <laughs> shots. You'll, you'll notice know, the whole entire you, pre-roll. If was you here. click the twenty nineteen Badlands Film Festival it's just like shot after shot after shot. I'm like, oh, man, people are freaking out right <laughs> now. And the crowd's erupting behind us. I'm like, yeah, man, this feels good. Because usually, like, at our film festival that we host, it's like, you know, people are there to support us. And and they're also there to get the content as well. But people that we have no idea exist and have no idea that we exist are up and erupting and getting out of their chair and hooving and hollering about our whitetails and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then to see our film drop... It was awesome to see it drop on that big screen and get the audience reaction and to be able to send a message that, you know, hunting is about making memories with people. It's about getting out in the field and surrounding yourself with people that kind of see eye to eye with you and having a great time with those people. And that was the message of our film. And I thought we captured that well. And uh, I thought the audience responded well to it. And if I had one, one take back of our, of our whole film, um, I wish that um, because when they draw um, randomly for the order, Mm-hmm. in which the films are played i think if we would have been down later. Yeah, the, the list a little half. bit later you guys were early here, right? down yeah. the list a little bit later that you know it would have cuz each film is about 10 minutes long so if you got 7 it's films remember, that's about an yeah. hour and an hour and hour and some change so um so I feel like if we would have been down the list a little longer, that maybe we could have made the podium. So um, we ended up fifth out of, like I said, the 107 submissions. So that was a great honor in itself, and just to spread our brand awareness and show all of our, you know, show all of our hunts, show all of our personalities, show how we're kind of interconnected. And then the the crazy part was, so I, uh, the following day after, so a new award this year was being given called the Pope and Young Award. Um, And that was the Pope and Young selection committee got to give an award to their choice on whoever they thought was deemed worthy of what Pope and Young stand for, stood for, excuse me. So um, later to come to find out that um, the person that won that trophy and ours, they flipped a coin um, to see who got the trophy. So unfortunately we came up on the short end of the 50, 50 stick, but there's a lot of really solid films in there. And to say um, because I know all the other, the other filmmakers that submitted a film, and uh, to my knowledge, at least, Garrett and I and our company's film are the only film in there that do not do the quote unquote outdoor industry full time. So we're the only people that have, yeah, you know, right. Jobs outside of the outdoor industry that aren't able to go and get it content huge for all, you I mean, all that's... the time and be, you know, immersed in hunting all the yeah. time, you know, to, to go to a eight to five, nine to five, seven to three job every day, and then go get it done on top of that. That's, that's what I hang my hat on because I feel like, you know, sometimes when we talk to people, they don't necessarily realize that, you know, we're filming each other. We get half the opportunities. We have twice as much scent, twice as much movement, and we are still able to get it done. And that's something that I not so much say to brag, but something I'm like, man, I feel like we're doing something right here. So I, I really, I really like to see our film compete with some of the big dogs in the industry and hold its own and get the audience response. Like that was pretty cool for me.
1: I think it was awesome that so almost everybody in there that was in that category, right, had a production company edit and film their stuff, Thank most you. of them, right? Yep. And I, I, I was sitting there with Homie, and we knew it, right, because we know you guys. Yep. But, like, they're thinking a production company for editing their stuff, and we're like, man, these guys did it all. They're literally exactly like me, and they're yep. up there, and they're all one. You got filming each other. You're not hiring that out. You're not hiring your editing out. You're doing that in-house as a, you know, as right. a team. That is huge. I mean, and we know you guys, but when more people hear that, they're gonna be like, "This, they, you need to watch Last Breath," right? Because if you could compete with people that are doing it full-time, and you guys are doing what we're normally doing, that's what our podcast is based around, right? Guys like you that right. are super successful and our normal guys that are in the outdoor industry. And you're like the nutshell of that. And then you're up against people that are running $30,000 Reds and going Amen, on man. Kodiak bear hunts that cost $50,000, right? the
3: insane competition there. Like, you're, it's you're insane. Hit. These people, these filmmakers, here's where we knew where we were at because mm-hmm. we got VIP access. So we felt like big swingers. We walk up, and the guy lets us in the VIP door. We get up there, and we're like... You know, in, in flannel and, and yeah. nice <laughs> jeans. And there's like these guys in full suits, suits, full suits. up here at this bar. They're like, w- we're, we're drinking. The only thing they had at our, at our bar was like 25 ounce beers of beer. Everybody else is like cocktails. Mm-hmm. We're like, man, we are in a different tax bracket <laughs> up here, yeah. you, you know? And we're playing pool and we're kind of like in our own little inner world. And these guys are just, and good for them. They've Mm -hmm. been able to do that, but if you were to look at production value at at the hunt costs, it would be staggering. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. Ridiculous. These films that were submitted that we were competing with had more money invested in a body of a single camera Mm -hmm. than we had in our entire film. Yeah. I mean, a Kodiak bear hunt, that's... 25 grand. Yeah. Just for the opportunity to go there, mm-hmm. let alone how much money you paid a full-time production house with a 6K camera That's and $100,000 $100, worth Fif- of lenses 50, to follow you 50 around. 50
1: grand is probably what they what it cost them to uh, film it. You know what
3: easy, I mean? And Yeah. You know, and then you, an, an Alaskan moose hunt. And then all these other things that are up yeah. there. And they're phenomenal, right? They're, they're oh, things they're that epic. we dream about that we'd yep. never probably be able to do yeah. Oh, yeah. that are unrealistic. And then I, it's a phenomenal event. Mm-hmm. But- I wonder and we talked to Blake you're granted about how do you how do you level the playing field because it's going to be a rich man's game or you're going to have to have a incredibly very very bad circumstance some type of disease mm-hmm. to to win it you know and it's like you got to have the heart cords or you got to have the money yeah but either way I mean we're proud as punch to be there.
1: Oh so. yeah, I'm not trying to take away any of the films, whether they had fifty. No, they were awesome. They were epic, phenomenal. Right? But just like you said, the Badlands Film Festival is emotion. It's emotional, right? They, it's all off emotion. And I think you guys literally nailed as much emotion that you guys could in a film, right? You brought it back to the very beginnings of hunting, like right. why you guys do it, the friendship, what what it's really about for guys like us. Yep. But when you're competing against people that are running that kind of quality or that kind of cost and production or they have such a compelling story that someone can't look away you almost can't win in that environment and it's almost a win being in it right right Absolutely. that's a win right that's a win because yep. what you're up against just like you said is astronomical of what you guys are you know what i mean yeah. and we think you guys are epic and for you guys to pull off what you did with your equipment compared to what they did. If if you guys showed me the shot of like you with German, Geronimo in the snow and the blood shot and then you showed me that Kodiak Bear hunt, same camera. You can't tell, right? Right. Sure. But I mean you guys might because you're more experienced, but I can't, right? So for you guys to pull that off is epic. You know, and I didn't really get, I, I guess I, until I watched that story, I didn't know you were like, you were like, no, wait, I got to get more footage. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I was watching. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was him, I'd be like, I got to shoot him right now. Oh, <laughs> yep. No more. You know oh, what I mean? Man. So yep. props to you guys for putting in the work to get that footage and then to be able to, I feel like that is a big dog game, right? Oh yeah. And not, not to Put yourself down, but you're you're like us. You're really good at what you do, but you're a a normal guy, right? Right. And you were in a big dog world, and you guys succeeded in it. And when the intro is respectfully seventy five percent of your guys' stuff, like when me and Homie were watching, I'm like, that's last breath. Oh, that's last breath. I'm like, oh, these guys got it. I mean, the intro is. All your guys' stuff. And the crowds is going insane, right? Yeah, like the is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And That's... and we hope to bring some of that to your guys' launch party this year. And Ooh. I don't know how crazy we can get there, but we we were talking <laughs> about that. I'm like, man, the last breath in it or the Badlands energy is different than like we were trying to like you know, stay kind of low key at yours, but I want to bring that energy oh, no, to dude. your guys. Yell and holler. Yeah, yeah. So get rowdy, man. I think this is a good transition to go into your guys's absolutely launch party and we are going to try to bring literally as many people as we can and we're going to if it's all right with you guys we're going to try to bring that badlands energy Dude. where where if another guy down the roll three people is like i want to yell right now if they see me yelling they're gonna be like okay that guy's doing it. this let her that's what we me mean homie we're talking about we we're like we need to bring that because it's it's deserving right it's the same footage that was there Yep. But there it's like a like you said it's a relaxed environment, it's different. Right. So I think there we're going to we're going to cut loose if it's okay with your guys. Absolutely. Yep. Like
3: um so we'll get into the last breath launch party. Sure. this is our third annual one. We host it at the Orpheum Theater in Galesburg. and this is really kind of like the culmination of our of our season previously. Grant has the time and he's got the arduous task of editing our season underway. And this is completely 100% free. We give out an exclusive 800 tickets. Maximum capacity is 1,000. So we don't want to have everybody be able to elbow If you grab a ticket, you better come. We give out free beer, a ton of free gear, and we give the fans the opportunity to actually vote on what they want to see. It's epic. Yeah. Yeah. So um, – you know, we usually average about 600 people, which is a heck of a good crowd for Galesburg, Illinois. But if you haven't been, you should go. The energy is phenomenal, and if you guys bring the energy that I think you yeah. are, it's going to be even better. Um, and it 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 really is. You know, like it it's the icing on the cake after a hard task of being done. Um, we can't thank anybody that helps us and everybody that helps us, our sponsors and the Orpheum Theater. Grant puts all the work into it, but. Uh June 21st is the date to remember.
1: June 21st. And we're going to jot that down on we the We will make sure to
3: now. let everyone know. This yeah. year's going to be We've got some really cool things.
4: You want to talk about some of the new things that we're doing this year? Sure. So, um just like Garrett said, want to reiterate it is 100% free. Last year we brought 40 30 racks um for our guests. Um, I didn't do uh, the I didn't math. Them out. I, I do I the kept math. Going that's back that's back about twelve hundred like, beers. Uh, yeah. So that's a uh, quite a few beers. um and it's all for free. Last year we gave out about, um, we figured it out to be about $15,000 worth of gear. So we gave away about two sets of camo, 10 trail cameras, about 40 or 50 packs of broadheads, a bunch of knives, two coolers, uh, and the list goes on. So you're going to want to be there for the free gear and the free beer, um, let alone the uh, footage. Experience. So yeah. the experience, you're going to be packed in full of a into a theater full of a bunch of people that love hunting just like we do. And, um, it's a good atmosphere. It's a good time. And you get to see our content before anybody else gets to see our content. Um, which I feel like is, is pretty cool. It's an exclusive event, but it's, it's free. And we want to do something that shows, you know, we want to give back to the people that have faith in us and continue to stick by us and to support us because, you know, um, without them, it's, it's hard to, to grow a brand you Absolutely. need an audience to grow a brand so um that's our event that we do every year it's in Galesburg Illinois just like Garrett said on June 21st and we want to give it back um, looking forward to this year's show um the thing that we're doing a little bit differently is we're gonna show more films than ever before so we're gonna show yes. a bonus film yep we're gonna show a bonus film at the beginning and end of the show and this year we are uh We have a really, really nice photo screen that we're having made to do a couple giveaways that way. Um, And we're going to restructure the way our giveaway system works this year. So that way there's a lot more uh, prizes given away a lot quicker um, to keep the up pace Pace, kind of tempo of the event flowing. And, um, yeah, it's... It's going to be growing every year. We have a lot more people that are interested this year in coming, and uh, hopefully we can pack the house again for a third straight year in a row. It's been a really successful and really cool event for us. We uh, Garrett and I, about five years ago, was our first ATA show, so um, we went to the Badlands Film Festival and we thought, man, it would be really cool to do this for our fans. How can we do it? So the people at the Orpheum Theater in Gelberg, we work with them, and uh, we figured out how to put it on, get the, get the backing to do it, get the free beer, gear, and the funds to cover the event, and it's it's an awesome event. and It's on a Friday, which doesn't conflict with anybody's work schedule, and it's late enough in June to where none of the graduations, nothing going and nothing's right. going on. It's not going to conflict with the holiday 4th of July weekend, so if you love seeing big whitetails get killed, um, <laughs> this is kind of like the preview, I think, so every year people can visit our website and vote on the top three favorite episodes that they want to see featured at the show. Always whitetails. Um, So it's it's always our whitetails every year. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this year we did, I think this year is probably our prior easily tied or probably our second best year whitetails um, of the last five or six years that we've been really um, putting this stuff together. So it's, it's going to be a really good year and you're going to see a lot of really good stories get told at that event.
3: Another thing we should talk about, too, and you guys have a taxidermist, which does phenomenal work, and so do we, but we're going to have a mini deer show. Um, We had a promotion with our taxidermist. We co-branded with them, and we're going to have like 15 to 20 deer mounts on display from both team members and local people who mm-hmm. harvest them, so you're gonna. It's gonna be a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, so right when you walk, in, you're gonna get bombarded with with fresh harvest from this year in the local area. See what your co hunters in the Midwest,
1: Central Illinois, are harvesting. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty awesome. It's gonna be epic. Yeah, I got a buddy, Jake Reffitt, who yes. has a, gi- a giant white eight that yep. he took there. Yep, and he's really jack for it to be there so i'm excited yep. for him and uh i was like man that is a really solid idea idea to be able to get you know everybody loves seeing giant absolutely giant deer, yeah. right uh-huh. and to be able to yep. see those mounts there and for the people that have a mountain to be able to see them the first time and there, pick them up that's gonna be awesome well and so. like
3: grant said we're giving him back like uh jake right yeah he's gonna feel like a freaking yeah. stud because oh, yeah. his buck's there and he's going like, to have five yeah. six seven hundred people see it yeah you know uh, it's cool you know it i mean cool, giving man. it back not just not just the event but that that feeling and that sense of mm-hmm. of awe right i mean this is my buck think if mr freeze was on display for 800 people right sick. that are that are <laughs> that are your peers yeah that, that you're gonna run into at walmart man i saw your buck and he's a stud yeah. you know so it's uh, we're just trying
1: to always evolve and make mm-hmm. it better and
3: better for the people who are sitting in the seats. Yeah,
1: yeah. Shout out to you guys. I got a Moultrie hat that I wore for like, I wore don't know. it out. I, I wore it forever. I still got it. I still wear it. Uh, I just I got so many free hats at ATA. I'm like transitioning, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, homie actually bought a Moultrie hat because he wanted to be as cool as me. I did, and, <laughs> I did And catch a free one, and then I got some NAP Fletchings. I got a T-shirt. Yeah. And I got a uh, Summit lineman's belt, which is a freaking, the best thing I got. That thing is a lifesaver hanging stands. Oh, man. yeah. That Whip Summit, it around. Yeah. Tie it on. And he used it today. I was like, bro, you got to get one. And he ended up buying one. I'm like, and I I got that from you guys. So, yeah, shout out to you guys. I mean, you give away a ton of stuff. Like, we heard about it. And how did we hear? We heard about it through Jake Reffitt, I think. He was like, I know you guys are running this podcast, so you guys should probably go. And that was like our first connection with you guys, right? Sure, sure. Yep. And uh, we basically hung behind and just the kind of people we are. We want to thank you guys for putting on that vent because we know the amount of work and cost and time. And for guys like us that are obsessed with whitetails, there's nothing like that around us. right? right. You guys are it. That's, that's sure. the only people that do it. So we want to hang around and be like, man, we want to be friends with you guys. We want to help you guys out. We want to go to this every year because me and homie were like, ah, oh, man, it's over. Like we <laughs> yeah. didn't want it to be I mean, over, you know. We're not, I'm like, how many films they got? Like nine. Because I'm, I'm ready to go all night. You know, <laughs> that was the foundation of our friendship. That yeah, day. it was. That yeah. was that day was the foundation, and then that you made the connection with homie. Like, yeah, oh you know, yeah, you know, we used and, to and right? it started run against there. each other yeah, and track. Yeah, it started from there. So, I mean. Without you having the film festival, we might have never met. Yeah. So shout out to you guys for having that. We know the amount of work that goes into that. And we are honestly grateful that you do it for us, right? We feel like you do it for us. You're fans. We're your fans. And we get to go to that. We get to sit back, drink free beer, chance to win stuff that, you know, expensive stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And we get to watch incredible whitetail footage before anybody else gets to see it, you know? And uh, like I said, we hope to bring that enthusiasm that we had and when we were sitting in those chairs and being we real quiet because we didn't know you guys. We, we hope to bring that like, oh, yeah, that's my buddy. That's my buddy that just yeah. shot that deer right there. You know, that's what we yeah. hope to bring it as this year. And that's what we really want to try to do. We've been inviting like a lot of people that we know that are hardcore hunters. I'm so like, what we'll do, we'll go. get you guys a book of
3: tickets. Yeah.
1: And then because they're free but they're exclusive
3: right Mm because we can't give out 1500 tickets for a venue that holds 1200 you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so if you if you hand them out then we'll just hit us up for more but we'll make sure and get them to you uh typically we start giving tickets out about a month before because if we get them out right now then they get Mm -hmm. lost yeah Uh, if we give them out too late then it's late notice so that sweet spot about a month is when they'll start we still got them last breath
1: koozies too bro. you'll have fresh ones this (laughs) year brand
3: new ones yes
2: I'm going to compare my two koozies so I'm going to get this one this year and okay. use it all year and then compare the durability <laughs> Oh, great. I'm going to make yours out of Kevlar I'm going to give
3: I'm it to you more personally <laughs> give you a
2: bulletproof koozie
3: you
1: already seen I was using it in November yep, so yeah. Uh, oh, yeah yeah, so we, we still got those mine's on my microwave right by my door just in case I need a fresh one I got a whole tub of them up there on top of that mini fridge <laughs> yeah. right there that's just oh, yeah, junk shit go. and now uh, the the good ones laying on the microwave ready to roll at any, any moment so
2: um are you guys accepting 95 inches into the deer mount uh display
3: well we we are but it, it has to be with precision oh that's the man. tie-in right man i would love to adorn i'm your telling 95. you it's gonna be the
2: only 95 inch that blows people's mind <laughs> just two 40 inch spikes yes sweet giant <laughs> oh, all right geez. so
1: we went over the fun side of you guys and You guys are stone-cold killers when it comes to killing whitetails. We know that. Um, You can't deny it. It's on film year after year after year. You guys are all getting it done, the whole crew. So we're going to dive into the tactics of right now what you guys are doing to be as successful as you are. So um, let's start off with what are your goals for your properties as of right now, what are you guys looking to do to make your 2019 season better?
4: Uh, so this is a this is a great question, um, and the number one thing that Garrett and I have done in the off season is uh, honestly a lot, a lot of paperwork. So our number one farm, our heavy hitter, um, it, we have a really good situation going on, but to be honest, we have lacked control of that farm for the last for the last six years that we've hunted it um so we've been pretty successful over the last you know five six years that we've been out there um garrett's killed uh two deer 170 or better i've killed a deer in the mid 60s and we've killed about seven bucks in the 150s out there it's a it's just a dynamite farm um and the thing that we transitioned to this year is being able to physically like put a pen to paper and lease it out and gain full control. So this year we're going to be concentrating heavily on food plotting, on bedding areas, and specifically the stages in which deer are using our food plots. So we have a good mid-season plot that we're going to put in and a good late season plot that we're going to put in, in hopes that this could be our best year ever on an already dynamite farm. Um, And one of the other key areas that we're going to, try to tackle this year on that farm um is the bedding in addition to a couple of the other pieces that we already hunt yeah and like grant said you know
3: we we have a unique opportunity not everybody has a financial ability to lease a farm and that's what he's referring to we the opportunity arose where the landowners actually approached us for a more solid agreement so some solidification to more than just a handshake hunting on a handshake is great Right. It it's it's honorable and usually it's it costs you nothing other than to stick a summer sausage. Yep, and that's ninety mm-hmm. percent of the properties that we hunt. So that's how right. could we
4: complain, right? So. so but when
3: you have the ability to lease it and your landowner understands that with this binding agreement you have some freedoms that you didn't use to. It gives the hunter an ability to alter that farm in a way that's okay by the landowner, but also enhances your hunting. And so Grant was saying a couple different that we're going to do we are going to implement food and we're going to implement bedding so those are two big things that we base our entire hunting strategy around the biggest one is where that deer sleeps at night and calls home and then the next one is where he's feeding and his stomach is gonna take him because realistically there's about three and a half weeks out of the year where they're they're thinking I guess unlogically and that's the rut right last week of October First two weeks of November, maybe a little bit longer. But but really if you look at that as a majority of the season, you've got the fronts and the tails that is the that takes up a majority of the time of your deer season. We want to focus on that. Rut hunting is phenomenal and it's incredible, but I can't I can't really affect much of my property that's gonna do that. We can do some funnels, we can do some transition zones and some other things, but but Grant was talking about we'll hit diversity of food plots. There is a wide variety of stuff that you can plant and that you can sow into your ground that will hopefully pull a deer in. Well, there are so many factors, and the first one is seed. Looking at understanding when it's most palatable to a deer and when it's going to be nutritionally Beneficial to that deer. So greens, you look at alfalfa or you look at um, types of clover and chicory, those are really going to be very palatable in the early season, especially fresh shoots if you have the ability to mow it and cut it. Um, So we are actually going to be implementing what we call kill plots. We have two different areas on our farm that are adjacent to bedding areas where we know that deer bed there south facing slopes warm bedding season grasses and so on and so forth we went in and we've altered these areas right now because now is the best time to do your timber work your tsi Timber's clear it's not hot and typically your trees are going to cut or move a lot easier if the ground's not frozen so by planting these small kill plots these areas where deer are going to concentrate these areas are next to bedding areas and also in close proximity to a destination field Where they're going to feed where these deer are going to stage and kind of hang up right before they move on from their bedding to their their evening activities Um, we're doing mixtures with like i said clover and chicory both of these take little to no fertilizer they actually fix nitrogen their legumes so a little bit of lime to increase the nutrients uptake lime pelletized lime if you put on the appropriate amount will last two to three years so it's not something you have to do to upkeep Um, but once you establish that that nice dense clover bed it's almost maintenance free as long as you have good browsing we're doing that and then looking at late season food too it's one thing we realized this year because we put in a lot of effort into late season food is that you have to have the bedding in conjunction to late season food if you have if you have five acres of standing beans in the middle of a cornfield or a middle of a bean field that's a thousand yards away from bedding, you're never going to be able to kill a deer that you want to during daylight. It has to be close enough to their bedding area that you're going to pull them in there during shooting hours. Now, I'm not saying that you can have an external food plot that's late season of standing corn or of soybeans that's going to have a high tonnage and high protein factor. You're going to have deer feeding in there, but is it going to be when you want to kill them? So when we look at these farms and these goals right now, it's seeing more deer versus killing more deer, you know, and that's holding more deer versus harvesting more deer. There's there's different things you have to look at in your management strategy. So I guess right now, this farm that we're looking at, we're not doing any major TSI work. We're not doing clear cuts or hinge cutting where we're dabbling first right but we're making these small clover kill plots and conjunction the bedding areas and late season food sources which now we have the ability to implement right so we're gonna we have access to the farm we're gonna have two to three acres of monocrop agriculture we're talking standing corn standing beans that are going to be our late season ace in the back pocket for december january but we're also going to be hunt these same target bucks in october november over these kill plots that we have conjunction to these grasses, these areas, these bedding areas that we know are established because we've hunted the farm.
2: Mm-hmm. So is everything you're talking about right now on just the one farm? We have multiple farms, but this this the
3: one farm we call, you know, it's our bread and butter. This is our main goal because it's the pivotal year, right? We finally have, quote unquote, the keys of the farm. As long as we stay within the restrictions that are, the landowner has given us, which we will, um, we have the ability to, to manipulate a majority of the stuff that beforehand we didn't just out of respect. It wasn't our ground. We didn't have any type of monetary exchange, and we never really wanted to have that conversation until now. So we're, we're fine to go ahead and proceed.
2: So now you're going to have like more of a formal document?
3: Yes, correct.
2: Okay, and then the second thing is... Is there already bedding that you guys have established where the deer are bedding on this property in order to have success in the late season?
3: Both, I would say to answer your question, both in the terms that there is bedding, but we're also purposely trying to establish some bedding areas um cave in the rock switchgrass is by far my hands-on favorite it takes a really really good hardy stand you can buy plugs of it which i recommend them rather than broadcast seating you're giving yourself an advantage um and it 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 does really well with snow it does really well with perennial regrowth and it's not going to be so tall that you can't i mean bedding areas right that's where we look for sheds so i want to i want a grass it's easier for me and the deer to walk through it's going to offer them really good cover but it's only going to get about Six, seven, maybe, maybe some shoots are reaching eight feet tall because come late season, now that's matted down to four or five feet. I can walk through there or go through there with an ATV, hopefully pick up that deer shed I want to. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think it was cool that you said, you know, seeing deer versus harvesting deer. And I think those kill plots are going to come in huge because a lot of the mature deer don't like to go to that destination food source that you might be hunting over in daylight. They want to go to that kill plot, that hidden... Little piece that they feel secure in in daylight. So that's kind of what I did at my piece a couple years ago. And I had really good success with mature deer going there. But I realized that the access was wrong for me. But before I started hunting it, it, they were there, right? So they felt secure in that kind of like a wooded sanctuary area that you created, right? Instead of going out to that main field where they feel less secure you know they're out in the open where you know potential danger is if there's a new clover field in their general area where they feel safe they're going to go to it so i think it's cool that you said seeing deer versus harvesting deer because i feel like some people create a destination food field and it's five six acres where they see the deer and he's 200 yards but they don't kill the deer, correct? And that's one thing me and Homie talk about all the time. Like, is this a stand that we can see deer in, or is this a stand that we can kill deer in? Yeah. And we have some that we know, like the the Moultrie set, mm-hmm. that is a see deer stand. Observatory. It is, it is a yeah. see deer stand. And I told him, I said, this is a stand where you are limited on time. You are running late in the morning this is a stand that you go to right this is a stand where it's hot might not be the best conditions you go to you know and that's why i feel like on those kill plots do you plan on hunting them early or do you plan on hunting them in early but better whitetail conditions you know we we do a lot of our
3: hunting based on scouting and camera activity to tell you that it's going to be one of their I can't, it's going to be indicative on the deer that we're trying to kill. You know, there are a lot of factors that are in them to play when we go to try and kill it. But I will say this, the more you can limit your exposure and your pressure, even though it's your favorite stand, it's your favorite food plot, wait to hunt it until the conditions are right with wind, with barometric pressure, moon phase, whatever you want to follow the, the best time you usually hunt a sand is the first time. So I would say that if I was going to give you a general basis of when I plan 4c grant and i sitting over these kill plots it's going to be around that october 16th to 20th right before people really start getting fired up about the rut but where i have these kill plots set in place where these mock scrapes have already been positioned and i'm waiting for that buck to slip up due to a cold front or a pressure change that's going to get him on his feet in daylight,
1: you're gonna come check that scrape in daylight, yep, right? You're going safe yep. in yep. the
3: secluded plot where he knows his does are going out into the mm-hmm. field. That's when we're gonna go in and try to get him.
1: Yeah, I like that tactic a lot. You know, like the plot of my piece, it was perfect for that, but the way I access it, I realized that it actually hurt me because I was busting deer off of that I love when I was that you're going. talking
3: about. It right
1: now oh yeah that ask (laughs) Homie. dude my that's that's the number one key that to whitetail hunting i think people could talk tactics or i mean time and stand is number one key that's what i think and then access and i have some american gladiator accesses to my stand i mean <laughs> you're ziplining in from homie the yeah there's people shooting at you and stuff it's intense i mean homies like we're gonna airdrop in from I mean, 4200 feet yeah. latitude
4: 43.0019, <laughs> yeah. longitude yeah 97 point yeah
2: i mean i'm a pretty fit guy and it was rough getting in there right really? yeah it was I mean, but it's the right way it's, right it's definitely the right way
1: and I got into that stand and had small bucks feeding on acorns 80 yards away. When I got in there, I'm like, oh, crap, there's deer right here feeding. Right. And I'm in the stand. Like, That's how you know
2: you did it right. Yeah. There's, well, we, we both got in there, and there was deer bedded 50 yards and never bumped them. And then they come into 12 yards.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And
2: just hung out.
1: Yeah. Just feeding. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. So Right Grant, here.
3: Yeah. Grant can talk. I mean, access. will change into that. So talking about relevant time of the year. This time of the year. Grant and I spent a lot of time in the timber because of two reasons. A, you can get away with it. You're not worried about bumping deer, pressuring deer. You're looking for antlers. You're looking for deer beds and other things, and you don't have a guilty conscience. But the other thing is like the timber is naked right now. And now you get a sense. If you see a bed, take a second to go over there and sit down and or squat down and process what they're seeing. And that, talking about access Mm -hmm. opens your eyes because a deer is gonna now in early october and november it's maybe there's a little more fauna and foliage but but still they're gonna pick up on movement like that so so understand what they're seeing from where they're laying and and then understand how to get to your stand without that happening i mean um it's
1: key man it
3: is it is grant and i are carving a, a lane this year to the kill plot i mean it's going to take a lot of work and some sweat equity but it'll be all worth it. Yeah, it, it
1: the my two, 2017 Bobuck, right? You're the date guy. That was 2017, the early October. Come on, Raymond boy. No, the it was 2000. Yeah, the no the Big 9, that's at Ingram's still. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. So, I found a bed shed hunting and I suspected there to be a bed there, right? And the year before and i went in there and i found this bed there's giant rubs and stuff i'm like okay this is it right and i did exactly what you did i sat down and i'm like okay early october what can i see and i was like man i'm right on the edge of what i can see and what i can't see right so i told homie i said i got this stand and if you go to it it you're like you're sweating because you're like it's deep right it's like you're on the edge of what i should be pushing and what i don't push and we don't ever go to it well, 2017, we had that early cold front in the evening, yep. and I went in and that buck. I seen him stand up out of his bed, 80 yards away, and I shot him at 10 yards. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a 139 nine inch nine pointer. He's Beast got mode big brow. Yeah, Dan Infall, Litt- be proud. Literally, man. it it, it, <laughs> ra- it rained. It hard rained till one. It was soaking wet. The wind was blowing hard, and then it was going to die down. I'm like, if this is when I go, it's right now. Oh, yeah. All I that snuck cover? snuck in there, got in that stand, and I sat down, and I shot him an hour and a half before dark. That's awesome. I mean, at 10 yards. Right. And, and he hit a scrape right. There was a scrape there last year. He hit that scrape. You talk thick, about hunting by design. Yeah. I mean,
4: yeah. I, I do feel I, – I go back and forth with this all the time. I do feel like there's definitely an element of luck to hunting. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, it's a wild animal. can go wherever it wants. You can try to manipulate it as much as you want, but, you know, mo- more times than not, we find ourselves not killing a deer in the shooting lane we plan on killing him in. Um, so I do feel like that, but like stories like that. And, uh, if anybody out there is wondering about the hunting beast, you should go check out Dan infault stuff Yeah, because that dude kills deer by yeah. design. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing overtly lucky about the way he's hunting. He's hunting a specific deer in a specific way on a specific wind, Mm -hmm. on a specific temperature in a specific time of year. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything is calculated, and I think that's really cool when you can be like that person, you know, because everybody knows that person that's got um, that mega giant deer that they shot eight years ago on their wall, right? But I think one of the most people that I respect and revere as a hunter the most, his name is Clark Cummings. He's from um, Knoxville, which is where Garrett and I grew up, and he kills uh, one or two usually to hammers every single year. And he's oh, been yeah. doing that for the last decade. Um, so he obviously consistency, like, man. knows what's mm-hmm. going on. So I, I think when it, I, we talk about like what it means to be a good hunter, it is like that killing deer by design and um, be, that consistency that takes, takes it to the next level for me and Garrett. And I talk about like the acronym, Um, not the acronym, but the analogy of like a carpenter, right? So everybody knows that resource, that hunting resource. It's that guy that, you know, are you going to trust the carpenter who goes and gets his masters in carpentry and interior design and has written a billion books about building the most beautiful house on planet earth, but has never built in the house. Or are you going to trust the guy that went and got in his, his his apprenticeship and has built 300 houses? You're going to trust that guy because that guy goes and gets it done. So, um, that hunting and killing by design, that stuff is always just mind blowing when it works out the way you draw it up in
1: your head and want it to draw up. It was insane. Like I, I don't normally do that. Right. But in this circumstance, it happened. And I literally, I remember telling homie, I'm going to, I called him. I'm like, I'm going to hang a stand in this tree. It's going to hop the fence right here. And I'm going to kill him right here. And that is exactly what happened. Feels Feels good. And it's on film. Like I can't, it can't be denied that it happened that way. Right. And, that's the oldest deer that i think i've killed the biggest body deer that i've killed um weight wise uh he's 235 caped out no just meat hanging 235 right whoa Whoa. the buck i shot this year (laughs) was 218 he's 190 inches 218 hanging weight and and he was a nine pointer that's not even a 140 and he's 235 but it was he was giant right and it was early october and you can, I mean, even in the mount, you can see the neck is giant early October. It's just old, mature deer. And I rattled him in. I shot homeboy that year before. And I rattled him in, in the rut and passed him. And I knew that he was old, but I was after a giant, yeah, a right? <laughs> so I let him, I let him go. Yeah. But then I shot him the next year and he was actually, I think he was actually a touch smaller than the year before. But to go in there and kill him like that, like you guys are going to do on these kill plots. If you know where they're bedding. You're gonna be like, if you're gonna run a trail cam on that kill plot, you're gonna be like, okay, this deer's bedding here, just like you said, right? Just like you killed your buck this year, that was completely yep. by design. And when you can do that, There's that a feels sense of so good, man. Yeah. When yep. you're like, I beat this deer, like I figured it out, I did everything right, and it don't happen often. But when it does, you're like, uh, all the work yeah, I've been doing, yeah. You know, you you feel worth you feel good. You're like, and people that don't understand hunting or don't understand hunting big deer don't get that. They just like, it don't register in their mind. They're like, Oh, he just shot another deer. But like you, you did it. Like what you want to do as a hunter, you did, you know, and one yep. in a season. And if you can accomplish it that early, like I tell homie, every year I shoot a buck early. I feel like I waste so much time cause I'm comfortable. Right. I'm just like, uh-huh oh, I shot a buck already. Yeah. I'm waiting oh, on yeah. a big one to show up on cam. And I told homie, I'm not going to do that this year. But then I didn't shoot one early, so it didn't work out anyways. But, but yeah, I think the kill plots, that's a great idea. I I see your guys being successful on that. So you guys 100%. are talking
3: about food plots. Do you guys have the ability to put them in? I know you said you were going to implement some. Yeah. We
1: we have to. We have to. We have yeah. a piece that is uh, the way that we hunt it. We have to add an acre of beans okay. to it for pheasants. It's a pheasant habitat area. So we have to add an acre of beans and we're going to add, we're not, I'm not hundred percent sure what we're going to do. I want to do some kind of screen cover with sunflowers because that will revert back to birds. So the landowner has approved that. But I think if I do the sunflowers, I want to go in there and broadcast some turnips or radishes when the sunflowers get to a certain height and basically use those sunflowers as a pinch and leave an opening where we want them to enter into the bean field, right? Sure. And that's the game plan as of right now, but that was part of the stipulation of, I mean, homie, getting this piece that's not, it's decent early season, but in the rut, psh, get out of town, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, a blind guy could kill a deer there, right? <laughs> he right. could kill a 130 there. I but mean,
3: you're also laying the foundation work for late season opportunities yeah.
1: too. Now, with your beans, is it's not, agriculture you're gonna have to put it in yourself uh it was ag it has been turned into crp sure not by anybody just over well it was planted two years ago in beans and, uh, there's been no one that's planted it in two years, no one that's hunted the property in two years. And, uh, we're going to go back in there and till it and roll plant it with beans. You have a planter? Well, we have access to one, but we have, we're going to have to pay to, uh, sure. to get it done. I would
3: recommend double planting your beans, checkerboard them. Okay. You're going to maximize the tonnage in there. And then that's, that's only going to help you. Cause one acre of beans, you're yeah. probably looking at like 60 to 80 bushels. That's good you know and and you think about how much i mean a deer can eat i mean we looked it up how much how many pounds can uh, a deer eat a day between 5 and 9 pounds a day so if you get let's say you do 10 10- i know
4: i thought that too i'm like my i was like well okay we're all you know garrett and i so each you... weigh about 210 we weigh about you know eat about a pound per meal so about three pounds that's what a deer should eat right a big buck weighs about what we do in late season it should eat about three pounds and we're like whoa okay right. so you f- you see you know everybody's seen them drive past on the interstate wherever uh a field with 60 70 80 deer in it a night each clearing out between five and nine pounds They are moving bushels. That's a lot of beans. So that's what we (laughs) think (laughs) when we're putting in
3: our. You know, we think about how many deer we see in late season, and hopefully, you guys can do that too. But you take sixty bushels, turn that into a hundred. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's going to be the difference between you being able to hunt that food plot in December or January, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And then with your sunflowers, have you thought about maybe doing like um, snow peas? They'll climb up the snow, your no, sunflowers. That's a good idea, yeah. And then you can also use your brassicas or radishes or turnips when your beans begin to defoliate,
1: mm-hmm. when they dry up, broadcast those. And all yeah. you're doing is you're wanting to add as much tonnage mm-hmm. to the ground that's that you can. That's our plan. That's our plan, to add as much as we can within the... Parameters that your landowner is giving yeah, you. With, right. Because it's, it's solely based around pheasants. I mean, there's a ton of pheasants on the ground, and it has to be corn, milo, or beans. Okay. So we know that corn... Is a lot more, a lot more soil preparation than beans. Sure. So we're gonna go with beans the first year. I would say corn is more hardy though,
3: man. It is. I know. Uh, I, I mean, if you if you ask me, sunflowers or corn, I'd plant your beans in a row of corn. When your corn matures, rip those ears off so they don't get knocked down by coons. Yeah, Just rip them off, throw them on the ground. That's completely legal. Yeah, because um, you're not displacing the food. Your pheasants are going to eat your corn. Turkeys going to eat your corn. So your land is a solid heavy idea. About yeah, but a corn will make a much more solid barrier because it's got those long, long oval shaped mm-hmm. leaves. Sunflowers, I feel like it'll look like a whole bunch of horseweeds standing up. Yeah.
1: The only thing that I have learned about sunflowers is they are a mega big buck track early season which you might not think but i have i have i've got footage of giants in daylight eating right off the sunflower pods man really? yes
0: mm, and I i'll tell i'll tell you where i've seen it i'll <laughs> tell you where
1: after this podcast because i can't you i can't, can't disclose it on the air. no and yeah. i'll 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 tell you guys you might you might want to you might might be interested okay. but anyways yeah so that's the plan and i think the sunflowers so the beans we're going to be able to control the weeds in, right? The sunflowers we're really not going to right. early. So I'm hoping that the sunflowers mature. There's a lot of ag around it, a ton of ag. There's going to be a ton of beans because it's going to be mostly beans yeah. there. Yeah. So we're hoping that the pressure will be off our little plot on the other beans and on the sunflowers early. That's our in my mind what's going to happen. It probably won't. But and then... <laughs> leaving the beans for later right right because my with beans you're you're thinking that second shotgun season that muzzleloader season that late late bow season you know that's what you're thinking right you're not thinking the early season
2: because everything's going to be picked and ours is going to be standing yeah hopefully
1: so hopefully that that and then it's it's complete crp around everything else so it's going to be like a food plot in crp so we're hoping that with the cereal just freaking, yeah, so hoping the money wood, work, yeah some hope. Yeah. Some hoping that like some will, and then being an acre, right. I want to try to use the sunflowers in the weeds to pinch deer. So I want to like leave a gap at sure. 30 yards sure. where there's no sunflowers, no weeds where they can get right to the beans. And right when they come in, they're at 30 yards. That's how it's going to work in my mind. It's not how it's going to work in real life. But sure. then it also gives more coverage from the road because a food plot will be able to be seen from the road. Ooh. So I feel like if I have 12 rolls of sunflowers with some weeds in them with brassicas, sure. it will give a little bit more security cover for something to feed in those beans. Right. There's cedars there that hide it from one side of the road. The other side... Um,
2: but it's 250 yards it's from it's a the long road way side, away yeah. from the
1: road but if someone were to stop but i said you know, yeah
2: break that line of sight up break
1: that line yeah. of sight and maybe prevent people from seeing what is in there and then because with just like you guys with every lease we're working men so you have to protect what you have Absolutely. you know you don't want everybody to see what you got and the work that you're putting in and the deer you're passing and then someone come in with more money than you got and say you know biggest recommendation right now on the air is that if you do sign a lease Get them in three-year
3: terms, yeah. Because, like you said, here you guys go in, you do all the work, mm. you set the foundation for the following year. You've passed these young deer, and then somebody lays, you know, ten percent down more. Give yourself that cushion, and, and ask that landowner for a three le- percent
1: or a three-year lease. I'm a I'm really excited about that piece because we had uh, a 170 daylight in the rut mm. there, and uh, we if we got it pinned down, man. There's a creek draw on there. And we're going to get a stand in there. And it's, homie said, homie, homie goes, what? I, I, I wish I had quotations I could add to this. What are you hanging a cam here for? Oh, yeah. What, we're yeah. never going to get a deer picture here. I said, no. this is going to be the best cam we got. He goes, <laughs> no, no. Four, four or five mature shooters on there within five days during the rut. Just, Ooh. Just fire. It's just straight fire.
2: After the first card pull, I
1: was I was like, all right, this is actually pretty
2: deep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Try I to mean, downplay you you, it a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. you can't complain about what the pictures are showing you, but And then um, the rut hit and he was like, "Oh yeah, we got to get a stand there, man." <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get in there now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, is there any way we can get a late season blind up here? <laughs> you know?
1: So we're going to run a mobile set there this year. Yep. And well, we won't be chasing a 190, maybe. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but we won't be chasing 190, so we'll be more focused on that property than the other one, Sweet. hopefully. And then we got one more in the back burner, and then another one on the back burner of that. <laughs> We're always back burning stuff <laughs> to try to gain. I look for those really small pieces that no one wants, that I know oh, are yeah. money, and I got a couple of those backburners going, so we're at the point now where we're like, do you, I mean, I don't know how many releases you guys got, but you got to get to a point where you like, I know a lot of people that are like, well, you got to have land to kill big deer, but you get too many options. It's Spread just, yourself too thin. Yeah, yeah. It just,
3: it's a, it's a, I mean, Grant and I talk about it and you don't want to be greedy with land, but you also want to have, like you said, options. But sometimes man, you do more harm than good bouncing around, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you wonder if, if I'd have just stayed here During this time of the year You'd have been all right Rather than trying to Ping pong around I
1: guarantee you If we would have split forces And one of us hunted This piece And one of us hunted The other one If homie would have hunted The north piece He'd have killed A a buck there No hands down No questions asked We had one mature deer Daylight Two days in a row, <laughs> right. 7, 11, 12, 3 p.m., 6 p.m. Just, just I mean, on every up camera, and, just running around. Just, I'm like, hot laps. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, someone needs to kill this deer. I mean, but uh, he'll be bigger next year, right? I, so, I hope. and then Nike, he's just like all over the place, and he's, he's a crazy weird deer that might blow up next year i don't know he might be the same i hope he's the same because i'm gonna i'm gonna go from a 190 to a 90 incher (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) he's got this nike swish on one antler goes out and then goes down and then goes up it's just a main beam just weird i hope you find a shed yeah no that's one thing we thought about that property it was gonna be really good we had that heavy snow and like you said planting that good grass that stands up to snow is really important because that's a flat plateau now and I literally think there's no deer on it at all. Yeah. there might be a few does. We ran trail cameras pretty late there. Mm-hmm. We had a few does that were using it, but all the bucks migrated south. And uh, when I told homie, I said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna crush the sheds on this piece. Like, I mean, it's forty five acres of CRP and cedars. We're gonna just dominate, right? You know. And yep. I don't think we're going to because the CRP's flat, right? But we're gonna burn." 20, 20 acres of it yeah, we're gonna 20. burn 20-ish acres of it yeah. as contract to to being able to hunt it so i'm excited to see what turns up after we burn 20 acres yeah of it. so they we got go we want to get find a,
4: about 10 or 20 of them buried underneath yeah. that thick crp we want to get a, we want to get today. a
1: drone we want to get a drone before we burn that field so well you know somebody that has one i know we, we talked to someone about that already <laughs> <laughs> we were like man we need to we need some drone so shots.
2: much stuff to
1: go so much stuff to buy Uh, you'd be surprised what a case of beer do (laughs) (laughs) i'll get like three man yeah for sure so uh, on the list here we had uh entrance and exit plans that's kind of huge on me like that's like one of my number one taxes i've homie is learning how i hunt and he questions it a lot which is good right because i feel like if you're not getting questions you're not growing right so homie's like I wouldn't do that and then i think about it and i'm like well i'm gonna do it my own way but i think about it right i think about it which is good so i want to see like what do you think your guys's exit and entrance what are you guys going to plan to do that or what would be your perfect exit entrance to a stand or a blind
4: well uh this year we're in a pretty cool spot with uh one of the companies we work with so Pradco Brands, uh, which is Moultrie, Night and Hale, Summit, and Code Blue, uh, just recently acquired Whitetail Institute. And Garrett and and I found out about this at the ATA show. Um, They acquired another company as well. We're not going to really dabble with that company as much, but uh, they acquired Whitetail Institute, which makes a screen. Um, So last year, Garrett and I planted, um, what was it called? it's called blind spot by moss you yeah, blind spot yeah by Masio. i've heard of blind spot yeah but um that really got hammered when we got that big wet heavy snow this year so we're looking for something more hardy that's going to stand up to that late snow um spe- specifically like the wet heavy big flaked snow that's just going to pile and pile and, pile and pile and pile and be really heavy so they came out with the product um i forget what it's called but it's sorghum based so it's It's just fat stemmed sorghum that that gets up to like eight or 10 feet tall and it's a lot more hardy. So, um, in terms of hunting on food plots, um, we're going to have entry and exit strategies to and from our blinds and all the plots that we're going to be hunting this year. Like Garrett said, we're going to, one of our main objectives on all of our farms is to get that exit an entry strategy so that deer almost don't even question the fact that there's humans even around or in the vicinity. So other than the trail camera and occasional ladder stand that they walk by, they have no idea that we're even on the premises. So, um, planning that, um, those screens are going to be really big, especially cause late season, you know, everybody's hunted a food plot before where there's 20, 30, 40 deer hunt, feeding in it. Um, and you're the guy that opens up the door, and you try to walk down the stairs as quietly as you can, but as soon as your foot hits that crunchy snow or that leaf or that twig, then you see 20, 30 whitetails flying and running away. So nobody really likes that feeling. Um, so that's one of our objectives. Our other one is, um, and we've been doing this for probably the better part of a decade, and it's it's kind of tedious, and it's annoying, and it involves going to the stand about 30 minutes extra, for about a, you know 2 week span as all the leaves are dropping but we rake the spots so that we're just stepping on bare earth so when we go in in the mornings cuz I, I don't think anything's worth you know everybody has those mornings and it's just pin drop quiet and you're just yeah <laughs> oh, i hate those crunching like on that. those yeah. leaves that have fallen and they're all dried up and every deer within the whole county you feel like hears you so we go in and rake those in our afternoon sits on the way in um, so that way in the following morning, and we try to keep up with that religiously. So that the way the following morning, when we're sneaking in there and we try to get in there a good hour before first light. So we're not cutting it close by any means, but to rake those up, it gives us a lot more, I guess, of a sound cover. So that's something that we, I guess, continually do to make ourselves, I guess, put in a position to get that first light movement a little bit more. Yeah. What so, kind of rake are you guys using? Oh, uh, just a, just a regular, just a, a regular break. plastic yard yep.
2: rake.
3: Yep. yep. Well, not even. It's like a little kitty, kitty jobber. Just okay. easier to bring in. You know
2: mm-hmm. what I mean. One hander.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the property that we're talking about, where our food plot is, there is a cedar tree, uh, like line that you can't even see through. Perfect. So we're gonna be able to go behind that. But I had to call three prop, three people, and then ask permission from the person that hunts the south to get the access from the east or from the west that we need mm-hmm. to hunt that piece but we got it but it was a pain. <laughs> right, was, it was a lot but we got it but that's what it takes right, right. you got to do all that e- extra effort you know and that's why i keep telling homie i'm like when you when you're hunting a small piece two guys going in and out filming exit and entrances right ev- that's everything and homie's like why don't we have a stand over there i'm like what's too deep <laughs> and he's like yeah I'll, yeah it's too deep so yeah but it just you would kill more deer. We'd kill more deer if we were there, but we'd also bump more deer off. Right, so right, to, sure. which is a lesser or two evils. Yeah, man. you have to pick and choose your battles.
2: Bro, you tell me a lot. You say you tell me a lot.
1: I do tell you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Anything else you guys want to cover?
3: No. I just, again, appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it's a great time. It's been a Love blast,
1: yeah. And we had a lot of fun. Talk to you guys. We learn a lot, and we appreciate you guys making the drive all the way over here to hang out with us. So No problem. All right, guys. Oh, man, this was a good one. I feel like we came hard with the funny and the good <laughs> times at the beginning. Right. And then we talked a little filming, and then we really got in some really good content so, towards the end. Really that, good tactics. Yeah, that. Um, kind of bouncing back and forth with each other of what we should do on our properties and learning from them. And that's something that we can really do. And one thing I want to say about last breath TV and grant and Garrett, if you ever want to reach out to them guys and ask a question or something, there are some genuinely good people and they will help you. And yeah. we've seen that firsthand. Um, we've created a awesome friendship from going to their launch party so, um, we're excited about that to extend that friendship this year and, uh, just continue the legacy with last breath TV.
2: And, you know, as you guys watch their film and, you know, you should, um, it'll definitely help you as a hunter. And every time I talk to anybody from that team, you know, nobody's a better hunter than anybody else on that team they're all super great hunters and i feel like everybody on that team's a better hunter than me and every time i talk to any of them i learn something yeah me too that's that's gonna help me be better in the whitetail woods so um you know reach out to them on any platform and uh you know just have a conversation and see see what you can learn
1: yeah, I'm the same way. I feel like every time we talk to them, we learn something. They're genuine guys. Um, they're humble. Yeah, and gal. They're humble because we we definitely know that they're better whitetail hunters than us, yeah, right? They're absolutely. getting it done year after year after year. We know that, but they're still <laughs> humble enough to say, "Hey, you know, we're normal guys just like you, but this is what we do mm-hmm. to make you better." And uh, I think they're perfect for kind of our outline of the podcast that the demographic that we're chasing you know what i mean yeah. of the people that we want to find out there um this is like what we want in a nutshell so check them out on youtube last breath tv carbon tv anywhere that you can find them uh their youtube is so full of content you guys yeah, can they just, just, flood yeah it in. just flood it and I mean they have some incredible stories and some incredible hunts on there. And
2: some big deer. Yeah,
1: and some giant deer. So check that out plus turkeys and antelope and everything. And then if you are around this area and you want last breath launch party tickets, let us know. Yeah. Um we will we will get you there and with a white to legacy t-shirt possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh You're going to have to hit us both up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh I hope you guys enjoyed Last Breath. We definitely enjoyed having them on. I wish we could do five, six episodes with them because we had the content to do it. Oh, but yeah. uh, if we were recorded the whole time, we were they were here. <laughs> we would have had it. <laughs> we they were here. I mean, shout out to them. They were here for four and a half hours just hanging out with us and uh, talking deer and, and industry and learning and, and friendship, you know? A little so, bit of film, too. Yeah, a little film. So, all right, guys, get out there, find some sheds, try to leave a legacy. White Till Legacy is out.